real, the old school whiteboard. We're going to try some, some of this new technology we've been blessed with and see if we can use that to teach God's word. So have all of you tonight, for those of you who may be watching us and, and, the, and, and the online, we welcome you as well. Thank you for joining us in this study. This past Sunday, we began a series, series of classes um, for, um, for the quarter Bible authority. We had some rules that we would follow in this particular quarter, so I had to add one more rule. Hopefully, we don't have to add any more uh, due, uh, due to some things Sunday. Remember, we want to limit ourselves, uh, uh, with the exception being the elders, to one comment, one comment. We want to make sure all the comments are on topic for what we're talking about. We want to come to class with an open mind, uh, even if you have in the past maybe disagree with the things that I preached about this or maybe some other preachers have said about this. I want to ask you to, to try to kind of revisit this issue with an open mind and let's, the, let's grow. We're not here to bash the other side of the church or brethren who may think different than us or believe different than us on this. We want to grow. We want to come to the truth. And ultimately, we want to honor the Lord. Now, one more rule I did want to add, add was I want you humbly to please understand if I can't stand, if I can't body everybody's hand who's up, uh, even every young person's hand who's up. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people making comments. Comments. I got people on the over here, people over there, people over there. We don't want to make this just a young people's class or just an older person's class. We want to have balance. And so please understand that if I can't get to everybody, to everybody's hand, if I hand, it's it's because keep the flow of the class going. And we're not going to be able to get everybody. So, so I can understand, and I hope you will, that I will not be able to get every person's hand. And if I overlook you, forgive me. I'm asking ahead of, ahead of time for that. I hope your child forgive me. I'm asking for that ahead of time. But I got a lot of hands all over the place, and sometimes I can't see everything. So with that being said, does everybody have a book? Did, book? Did we have the extra book yet? Okay. Ch Chad's going to be some extras. And uh, when you hear him, uh, Dave, just you can wave or something. Who raise your hand if you do need a book? If you don't have a book, okay. So we don't have we don't have many, Dave. We just got maybe a so those books books will be here within the next few minutes probably probably. And uh, make sure you get a copy tonight. We do have some extras coming. This is a good problem to have. It means we everybody's getting a book and the books are are going are going. Let's have a word up into this study. There's a lot to talk. There's a lot to trade. Almighty God, thank you, Father, for blessing us together tonight. We pray, Father, that you will be with us as we open up our Bibles and study how to study how to apply the scriptures and submit to the scriptures. We're thankful for our young people in here. We're thankful for our young people who are having people who are having another part of the building. We pray for all of our teachers. We pray for our shepherds. We pray that you will bless us to be a church that just that just brings you glory and submits to the scriptures. In Jesus, Amen. So as we end trying to wrap up lesson one, it's going to be the goal tonight to kind of wrap up lesson one in your workbook there. And as we do that, that I thought it would be, and, I, and Brother Rick, Rick and Peggy had ideas as well, and I agreed, agreed with them to, to define our terms. So let's talk a little bit about the meaning of the word authority. That's really not a word we hear used a lot, especially in our society today. So here are good definitions, I believe, believe of the authority for our young folks. You might want to jot, they want to jot this really. So you can have this definition and you can kind of know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, a good definition that Brother Rick sent me, sent me and, I, and I read is authorities, the right, I like that word, the right, 
And in this case, case of God, the inherent right to command and to enforce obedience, the right to decide, right to decide, act or decide. And so that's and so that's the idea there. God has the right to command and enforce obedience. He has the right to de, to demand that we submit to His will. We act on the things that He said. So I think that's a pretty good definition. Maybe another one, another one we could put on here is the freedom to decide, decide or act without Him. And God certainly has that. Uh, God has the right to decide what is right, what is wrong. There's no one who can hinder God from that. So we're talking about basically, about basically having the right to rule, to reign, to give rules of life, to give rules in religion. And we as his creation must submit because he has inherent authority over us. So we started talking about, talking about that so, uh, by, look, by looking at the Testament and the New Testament and Testament and of the first class in case that wasn't. Uh, put out there very well it is we need to understand the importance of this issue. So that's the purpose of the, so the first study. Before we do the nuts and bolts of all of this, we need to first emphasize why this is important, why we need to have class on this, why it is so important that, important that we understand God's authority and how, how to apply it. You see, I think I want our young people to really get this part. At the root, of much of the religious division in the world today. And I think we can all, there's a lot of religious division. division. Believes this, that church, church believes that. There's even division in the Lord's church. And at the root of that is this issue. It's, it's authority. It is disagreement on how to properly establish God's authority and apply God's authority to our lives. This issue is at the root of the vast majority of issue of issues that divide people today. And why this is so very, very important. The first thing we did is we wanted to see was this issue important in the New Test in the Old Testament, I'm sorry. The importance of importance of authority in the Old Testament. And so we looked at some different things. We had some different ideas. This, these, are some, these are some ideas from, from our class on Sunday. A couple of other things that some folks had, and let me just say this, if I ever if you ever have your hand up and I overlook you, if you have a good idea, email it, email it, send it to me, uh, pull, me a, pull me aside class. I, I love hearing your ideas yes, if I don't get to get them in class because you have good ideas. And some good ideas that people brought to me after class last Sunday, Sunday that you can just list is the past. Isn't that a, that a great example of God's authority having to be submitted to? Because remember when the Israelites Put together the Passover, for Passover, Passover, ate the Passover on that on that fateful night in the time, in the time of the Exodus. Exodus. They had to do it God's way, didn't they? They had to use God's ingredients. They had to be dressed a certain way. They had to eat it at a certain time. And from then on, when they ate, when they ate it, to commit event, when 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 the Lord passed over them, do it God's way. The Passover meal is a great example. Uh, of God's authority being enforced and having and having to be submitted to. A second ex example is the manna. Anybody on your list? The gathering of manna, they had to do it God's way. Remember, they couldn't gather any on the Sabbath day. They had to gather a double portion on the sixth day. And they had to have, to have no levers. God has specific instructions for that, did he not? And then, how can we miss this one? King Saul. Why did God reject King Saul? Because he didn't authority. 
Remember 1 Samuel 13? He didn't wait on Samuel to offer the sacrifice before they went to fight the Philistines. He had no authority. As he wasn't a priest. He had no authority to offer that sacrifice. And in 1 Samuel 15, what did God tell him to do with the Amalekites? He killed just a few of nine cent. He said, kill them all. Leave nothing. What did Saul do? Did he submit to everything God said? King Agag and the best, best of, of the flocks and the herds and the herd caved in to the pressure. He said he did. He said he did, yeah, but he lied. Absolutely, Mitch. He said he did, but Samuel, Samuel said, what is this I hear? What is this I hear? This I hear, these animals. And so what did Samuel do? Samuel did said he took a sword and killed King Agag. He submitted to God's authority. Saul did not. So I think that was a good one also. And then we went to our New Testament. And, and, and I have some great ideas on the New Testament. Those are the ones I had put on my slide. But you had mentioned Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, some had mentioned the woman called in adultery as an example. I think Michelle had mentioned the limited commission and the instructions Jesus gave on that. Here's some additional ones you may, you may want to put on this that I, had, that I had thought of. The demons that were inside the man who was possessed in the land of the Gadarenes. Remember, they said to Jesus, put us in those, in those swine. They, they acknowledged Jesus' power, Jesus' authority. They believed in Jesus. They, didn't just, they just didn't submit to Jesus. Another, another example is when the, when the Sadducees, I'm sorry, came to, came to Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus said, render to Caesar the things of Caesar, Caesar, and what do you Render to God the things of God. God, so God, give Caesar what he's due, taxes that he's due, submit to the, the, uh, the government, and then you submit to God. Render to God what God is due. And then another, and then another, and, and Lance, and I thought it was good, good. Jesus calmed the storm on the, on the Sea of Galilee. Remember when Jesus told that storm, peace be still, and it went away? What did the disciples say in Mark 4, the last verse of Mark 4? They said, they said who is this that even though the wind and the sea do what? Even nature submits to the authority of Jesus. So this is a big issue, big issue in the New Testament. So let's talk about consequences, and then we'll get some participation to patient tonight. Oh, yes, sir. Brother Mitch, yes, sir. Yes, no, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. You got 10, 20. Go ahead. <laughs> You may have been on. You must have been on. You must have been on Facebook with me. You write about that, Mitch. That Mitch. Matthew nineteen nine. Jesus said, Matthew nineteen nine. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. And Jesus backs his backs up, going back to the and laying down the found the fact that he's the one who created marriage. And God, God has to write the rules for marriage, and we may not like this. We may not like what what, what Jesus says here about the exception and the only exception when it comes to divorce. But that's what it says. It's easy to understand in the, in the Lord right to say it and enforce it because he's the Lord. And we don't board what he has said. It's just that simple. No, that's that's a good one. Matthew 19, 9. I, I, th I think and see, and the thing I was trying to emphasize, emphasize is just important. This is this issue we're talking about goes from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. It's a big issue. 
And young people, I want you to get that. It's a big issue. So let me give you some consequences, then I'm going to get some participation from you tonight. What are the consequences for failing to submit to God's authority properly? Well, the first one is obvious. obvious we sin. And that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing. We sin. We, we trust God's law. Adam and Eve, when they didn't submit to what God said, they sinned. sinned. Most, when he, oh, you got him now, Dave. Raise it again if you need a book, please. Please. It's got some extra. Thank you, Dave. Moses, Moses, when Moses didn't speak to the rock and God told him to hit it, he sinned. And he didn't get to make it to the promised land. Saul, the examples of Saul, of Saul would destroy the Amalekites. He sinned. And then a verse that we're going to be looking at quite a bit over, over this quarter, 2 John 9. 2 John is only one chapter, but it's got a powerful verse in it. 2 John 9 says that if we, that if we go far and don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, we break, break fellowship. We break fellowship with God, God, Son, Jesus Christ, but Christ, but if right in the doctrine, stay in the doctrine, stay within the authority that, that God has given. We have fellowship with the Father and the Son. And so consequence is sin, sin, biggest consequence, spiritual death. death. But only we dishonor God. We dishonor God. We rebel against God. We rebel against the inherent authority he has over us. God says, I says, I want to sway. I want to be worshipped. Worship this way. I have these rules for marriage. I have things that I want you to live by in your daily life. And if we don't submit to that, we basically say to God, we know better than you. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand. You don't, you don't times have changed. You don't know what it takes to make me happy. We dishonor God. We rebel against him and the inherent he has over us. And we participate in vain religious practices. Let me give you a examples of this. Go on your Bible. Go on your Bible. Go on your Bible to Matthew the 15th cha chapter. Go to Matthew chapter 15, and we see Jesus dealt with this quite a bit, a bit in his ministry. You know, we're going to talk about traditions maybe tonight. We might have time for that. For that, but constantly Jesus had to deal with these Pharisees trying to bind their traditions as though they were God's law. And Jesus said to Matthew 15 and verse 7, verse 7, "You hypocrite." Matthew 15:7. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy about, about you, who honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me, but in vain. vain. The idea in there, young people, means worthless. It means nothing. It's empty. In, in vain they worship me, teaching us, teaching us doctrines of men. Notice, we can, we can participate in vain worship. Just because we're worshiping doesn't automatically mean God is accepting the worship. And the vast majority of people who call themselves Christians and are religious and are religious, they participate in vain worship. They do things that make them feel good. They do things that may fill the pews. But if it's not, not in line with the word, it's vain. God doesn't accept it. One more example here, Matthew 7. And I know you know this, you know this chapter 7. And in, and in verse number 21, you remember Matthew 7, 21? Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord... Will enter the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the does the will of God, who's in heaven, will enter. Many will say, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, he would not prophesy in your name, and your name cast out demons, and your name before many miracles. And then I will declare from them, declare from them, declare to them, renew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Notice you got, notice, notice you have people, people who call Jesus Lord, people who believe in Jesus, people, people who have done a bunch of things. They cast demons outside of people. 
did miracles, but Jesus says their works were vain. They were lawless. Why? Because they were not in line with what God has prescribed. And so vain religious practices, we do that if we're not doing it God's way. Thirdly, thirdly, we get arrogance. Arrogance. Think about Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh in Exodus 5? Moses says, Moses says let the children of Israel worship God in the wilderness. The Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? That I should obey him. I should obey him. I know him. I'm not going to do what he says. That's that's arrogance. The rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus thinking he's he's all good. I've done all religious stuff. And Jesus and Jesus says, "Black, go go sell off, give to the poor, come follow me." He he went away. Why? Because he thought he had done enough. He thought he had earned a right to have eternal life. Arrogance. See, when we do God's way, we basically say to God, "We're smarter than you, God." We know this, but we think we need to do it this way. That's arrogance towards, towards God. And that goes back to being a sin. And then finally, we invite the judgment of God. You, you judgment of God in your life, just don't do things God's way. Saul invited God's judgment in his life. Moses did. The rich young, young ruler did. Pharaoh did. All, the list goes on and on. You want God's judgment. Just don't submit to him. That's, that's how you get it. And so, and so let's get to this next part, the list now. What do we need? What do we need? A little bit. Brian, we're about to execute it. See if we can do it here. Here, Please have, please have faith in me. We both need to have faith in God right now. Let's see. Mac presentation. Bang. Ah, oh, there we go. Look at that. Be light. Okay. Okay. So let's make a list here of what? Do we need? Let's see. Okay, bang, bang. The iPad is up. My my messy hand, messy hand, right? What do we need? If we are going, are going, if we are going to please submit to God's authority, what kind of virtue do we need? What kind of qualities do we need? Okay, who's got one? Yes, Carol. Carol, why do you say humility? What made you put that answer down? So that goes to give you a slide where it's it's again when we don't submit to God, submit to God's humility, a heart that says, God is God, you than me, you're over me, you have the right to tell me what to do because you made you made me. It's humility to have that kind of mindset. Yes, faith. Go ahead, ma'am. Hit ma'am. Oh, I like that. Let's see here. Let me get this going here again. Wis Wis Faith, how does wisdom help us? What was your thing on that one? Faith said, faith said wisdom helps with understanding of God. I like that. One of the problems you have in our society today today. It's most don't understand God. They look at God as kind of like, you know, the big grandpa. He can't, he can't soul. And he's kind of weak. He can, you can kind of just run over God and he'll take it because he loves you so much. No, it takes wisdom to know who God is, that God is love. But God is also one of authority and must be submitted to. Very good. Anyone else? Yes, Brenna. Um, respect. 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 
I like that. Respect. Those who don't submit to God clearly don't respect God. God. Respect his word. That's excellent, Brenna. Uh, yes, Peggy. Wow. What was, what was your thinking on that one? What, what made you put trust down? That we don't understand God's ways and our ways. That's such a great point, especially with baptism. Why do I have to get dunked in water? Why can't, why can't something else? Why can't I just believe? Why do I got to get wet? God, God doesn't have to explain I don't have to have to understand all that fully. He says, well, you got to get buried. I get, I get buried in many different things. I get buried in the ground, come back up out of dirt. Why I got to go water? God doesn't have to explain that. He doesn't have to explain why he did, why he did in the Old Testament. Pre he doesn't have to explain that. He just say it and we need to do it. And we may not always understand why God is telling us to do something. Namely, to understand why he couldn't go dip in the rivers in his, in his country. But God said, if you want to get healed of, get healed of your leprosy, it takes trust to just do what God said. Uh, anyone else? Yes, Lisa. Wow. Wow. Patience. Patience. What's your thinking on that one, Lisa, if you don't mind me, mind me asking? Yes. Patience. And we struggle with patience. We struggle with waiting on God. But I've learned, I think we've all, we've all learned at times, that on God is worth it. And it, it takes patience to serve God and be obedient. Children of Israel wandered for a long time, a long time. They had to be patient and keep serving God and wait on that reward. Very good. So a couple, so a couple more. John. Thank you, Michelle. Priority. I just, I just write down priorities. And the right priority ultimately is putting God first. So often our priorities are out of whack. We want to come first. That's very good, Michelle. Yes, ma'am. Oh, could we miss that one? Takes faith without faith. Hebrews eleven six. It's impossible to what? Please God. Absolutely. Tom. Yes, sir. Contrite heart. Heart. Very good. When I think about contrite heart, I think about King David. King David had a contrite heart, even when he messed up. And Nathan, and Nathan came to him. You're the man. You kiss a man, took his wife. You could have killed Nathan. I'm the king. But David said, yeah, I've sinned. I've sinned. He had a contrite heart. He submitted to God's authority, even as king of Israel. Israel. Uh, anybody got? Yes, Joan. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to start now, too. Go ahead, Joan. Oh, love God. John 14, 15. What did, 15, what did Jesus say? If you love me, your commandments. Those who really love God, obey God, do things his way. That's the true test of love is obedience. I'll, I'll take one more here. One more chant. Yes, sir. So it's one thing to love God. But now we're talking about loving God's word. God's word. And obviously those things are, those things are, they do need to be both emphasized. Because I will say, I, I love God, but they don't want to study his word, obey his word. And then you got some who do a lot of Bible study, but they really don't love God. Love God. Oh, that's excellent. Very, very. So, hope they got that there. You like this better than my, better than my, I want to bring back the old school. I can bring old school back if you want old school back. Y'all like this better here? 
Um, we can't do nothing about the handwriting. I think that's hereditary because faith got it from me took it. So I hope that's better. Let's go back here to here where we were. Oh, look at that. Okay, so I'm gonna show you some things I had on my on my list. Pretty much <laughs> brought on my said I put down humility. I put down fear. A lot of people don't fear God. They don't fear God. Oh, you know, we do it our way. It's no big deal. No big deal if we spend if we spend the money like this. Yeah, God, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 13, keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. So you got some people say, doesn't matter if we spend the money like this. Doesn't matter if we add this to the worship. Doesn't matter what we, because it's, God really doesn't care. It's not a big deal. I put down godliness. Now, when I say godliness on this, this is equivalent to some things y'all have already said. It's the true definition of it meaning reverence and piety towards God reverence towards God. I want to honor, honor God. And the way I have reverence towards God is doing things always his way, not my way. And again, if you want a great, great example of that, look at number one, but King David, King David's another one. Moses, when they, when they built a tabernacle, this goes on and on. Also put down love. That was a good one. Like, like Joan said, and then I put some, I put some extra verses here, things down. We won't, we won't read verses, but those verses there for you, for your study. Notice how each one of those passages come from the New Testament, the Gospels. So I want to show you how you how in each one of the God. This point is emphasized. Matthew seven, when when Jesus up the Sermon on the Mount, he says the wise man does two things. What does the wise man do first? You remember? You remember? He hears, and then the second thing he does. He does it. He does. He hears and obeys. If you live that way, Jesus says, you're a wise man who's built your life on a rock. You got a solid foundation. So there, Jesus, that hearing is it that matters. Obedience, obedience, doing. Jesus has called us to be doers, doers of the word. And then Mark nine seven seven. Remember on the, on the Mount Figuration, Peter says, let's build. Three tackles, there's Moses and Elijah up there. Let's build one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. And what did the Father say from heaven? This is my, this is my beloved son, and whom I'm well pleased. You listen to him. You get to Jesus. This is who you listen to. Now, this is not Elijah. Luke 6, 46, you know that verse. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I, the things that I say? Enough just to call Jesus Lord, Lord. Not believe in Jesus. I gotta obey Jesus. Jesus. That's the true test if He's really my Lord and my King. And then we we cited John 14, 15. If you love me, love me, your kids. Very simple. Very, very simple. Okay, so let's go now to lesson two. And, and before I jump into that, are there any final comments that someone Yes, Austin. Yes, sir. So my one comment kind of the last Yes, yes, sir. Man, that's wonderful, Austin. I like that comment a lot. I like your reference of 1 Corinthians 
11, where Paul said, because the Corinthians, and we're going to talk about this quarter, had perverted worship of God. Supper, they partake of the Lord's Supper. And their problem was they had turned it into a feast, a common meal. And, and Paul says, if you act to doing it right, do it the way we taught you to do, to do it. And in verse 23, for I have received from the Lord. That is, what I've told you about the Lord's Supper, I got that from the Lord. I didn't just make that up. Make that up. That came from the Lord. And if you don't do it the Lord's way, Lord's way verse 20 said, you bring that ju judgment down on yourself. And many of you sleep, spiritually sleep. Just do it the Lord's way. Follow his prescription. No matter, no matter how simplistic it makes, it's the best way. Excellent. Right. Please. Yeah. If we ever want to know how serious sin ever is, we want to be reminded of it, how serious it is. Look at the cross. The cross. We want to be reminded of how important this important this issue. Look at the cross. Jesus died because of man's rebellion against God. Because all the way back in the garden, man thought they knew the better way. Way, and we still hate. So, so that that's an excellent issue. I mean, that alone, alone, we'd be the nail in the coffin, showing us how important this issue is. Jesus died because. We have all rebelled against God and haven't submitted to his authority, to his authority. Absolutely. Any other comments for this, for this? Yeah, then I'll move on here. So Kevin says, for those watching online, that Jesus always submitted to God's authority. That's absolutely right. I mean, that's, some, that's, some, that's a advice he used in his ministry. I came to do, do not own will, but the will of him who sent me. And that is why Jesus could be the sinless sacrifice, because he never rebelled against, failed against the Father. All right, so let's move, so let's move on to part here. The next lesson here, here next lesson is going to be about the false standards of authority. So now that we know this is an important issue, issue we get that. Look at page five. five. Page five. Why do you why do you believe things that you believe? Why do you, you practice religious things that you practice? Have you thought about that? While all churches have beliefs and practices, many of those beliefs of those beliefs and practices are not found in all. After after cleansable of corrupt practices, the, the, the chief elders asked Jesus a question about authority. In Matthew 21, 23, they wanted to know about what authority. Are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Who gave you authority to, authority to cleanse the temple? While the intent of these was corrupt, their question was actually pretty good. That's a good question. The Lord doesn't condemn or rebuke their question about authority. Instead, he responds by asking his own question about authority. His question implies that there's only, only two of religious, for religious, religious beliefs and practices. Either the authority comes from heaven or it comes from God. And remember the question Jesus asked them. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, either it comes from God or comes from God or comes from me. And see, that's what happens when I start thinking too fast. Either it comes from God or it comes from men. And what I was thinking ahead of too fast, Nelson, was in the context there. There, the, the point was just his baptism. Baptism. And they wanted to until Jesus had come from. 
So how did they treat John? They rejected John. But the people knew he was a prophet. So they were kind of catch 22. And so the so point of that is knew that John's baptism from heaven. Those men didn't want to acknowledge that. And the thing that I want to take away from that for our class is everything in religion. And young people, please hear me on this. Everything in religion, either it comes from comes from heaven, comes from men. Everything, everything we do, even this little stuff, you see this right here, this little screen right here and all, and all that, either that comes from heaven or it comes from men. Either I have authority from God to use that or I have it from men. The Lord's Supper, those you're sitting in, them songs, songs we sing, songs is going to come up on the slide tonight. Remember this, young people, everything we do here either comes from heaven or it comes from men. And if it comes from men, it's wrong, wrong. I don't care who all else is doing it. I don't care how much we like it and how cool it is. If it doesn't come from heaven, we shouldn't do it. So what we want to talk about this quarter is how do we know this stuff we do comes from heaven. Heaven. That's what we need to of. So we got, we got just a few minutes. Let's talk, let's talk a little about some false standards of authority. Some false standards of authority. Standards. And the first one on, first one on your page is, is traditions. And when we say traditions, we're talking about traditions that we have come up with as human beings, as a church, even as Christians, not not that God has come up with, because there's some traditions that, that God has prescribed. The Lord's Supper being one of them. We're talking about stuff we we come up with. What are some stuff we have come up with? Me and Shawn Michael had a good discussion on this last night. We had a good, good talk. See, Shawn Michael, you snooze, you lose. Two services. So number of services. Thing in the Bible that says, says, gotta meet from 9 to 12. Anybody got a verse for that? Any verse says you gotta have a six o'clock worship service on Sunday evening. Any, any, any verses on that? Ryan on that, right? That's a good one. Good one. That's another one done. Right. I, Ryan, Ryan means, yeah, he's talking about, but yeah, but yes, but yeah, but you're talking about worship, worship on Sunday. Right. 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 All right. So what's another tradition? Yes, Sean Michael. Oh, that's a good one. Bible, Bible classes. Any verses that say that a church must have Bible classes? Wednesday, Wednesday night Bible study. That go anywhere? All right. Well, another one. Yes, Lance. Having an invitation. invitation. <laughs> How about just invitation, patient, period? No, let's just get let's get on it, because we we talked about that, about that last night, didn't we, Sean Michael? We talked about that. We uh, we I, I'm trying to understand what what the between traditions and what God what God has specifically said. So there's nothing wrong with having an invitation song. There's nothing wrong with offering offering an invitation. With Bible classes, there's there's nothing wrong with meeting on a twelve. Or from to ten, or from two in the morning to the five, five in the first day of the week. The point is, these are traditions, though. Now, there are traditions, traditions that don't go against God's word. I want to be clear about that. They don't go against God's word, but we still need to understand their traditions. Okay, okay, and they can easily be changed if we if we want. They don't come from God. All right. They're called liberties. Liberties. That's a great word. Liberties. Uh, anyone else have? Any of you young folks got one? Yes. Yes, sir, Drew. Oh, uh, number 
of songs. You mean to tell me, Drew, it's not in the Bible. Bible we got to have four songs, preaching, then invitation. That's not in the Bible. That's absolutely right. So we could have two songs. We could have one song. Song. They have 10. We have 20. God leaves, God leaves it up to us. As long as we sing without instrumental music, right? And we have, we have to sing. All right, that's a good one. Any else got one? Yes. Oh, don't, t- don't tell them what you say. Don't, I don't like that. I told you to say that, didn't he? The length, she said, the length of a sermon. Oh, you just preaching and started meddling now. Meddling now. Uh, length of a sermon. You know, you know have 15 minute sermon. Y'all hired the wrong man for that, for that one. Or you could have a 35, 40 minute sermon. Absolutely. Or you could be like Paul preached at midnight. No. One more real quick. One more real quick. Yes, ma'am, Jamil. Order of worship. Yes. When I was growing up, we would have the Lord's after the sermon in the church. In the church. But we don't do that here, right? And most churches don't. Uh, you could easily start a, ser- a service with the sermon and do everything afterwards. God leaves it, leaves it up to us on that as long as we, the things he's told us he's told us to do in worship. So I put on my Bible class, invitation. Here's, here's one. All the elders are going to get me on this one. Announce. Wouldn't be a service without some announcements, right? Are, are, are announcements in the Bible? No. That's just a tradition. Tradition that's done in churches. Churches. Along with it. And it's needed. It's, exped- it's expedient that. I think we all get that. But again, we're trying to make sure we can distinguish between what God said and what our, tradi- our traditions are. Gospel meetings, right? Uh, where the Lord's Supper is placed, uh, meet at 9 o'clock, a pack, I put that down, number of How we appoint leaders. The Bible specifically tells us how to appoint elders. No, it tells us the qualification, qualification but God leaves it up to us to decide how we, how we do it. There's no specific instructions on that. So, again, before we close, don't misunderstand. We're not saying these things are wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to show you how the standard for what we do can't be our traditions. It has to be God's word. God allows, allows us to have some truth as long as they don't go against his word. His word, but this can't of our authority. That's the point. And the reason this is important is because remember, the, because remember the, they had traditions. And where, where, did they go, where did they go wrong? They put them on the same level. With God's love. You know, I've known churches split split because of Jews. Of these issues, issues, right? He put these traditions on them they didn't need to be on. Let's stop right there. We'll finish up on lesson two on Sunday. Keep filling that lesson out. Uh, I really, really appreciate your comment. And thank y'all for being, for being such a wonderful class, you.